We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the Lakers Nation live show. It's a fun Friday here. Uh, I'm your host for today, Ron Guterman, and joining me, Sean Spaces Davis and Mark Gunnels. Happy Friday, guys. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing good, man. How about you? Doing great, man. Just enjoying the Friday, enjoying a good week. We finally had Lakers news this week. It's been 
I don't know, like two months since we had any Lakers news. So that's been good. How about you, Sean? I'm doing well. We, we, we got to fix the scheduling, though. Like, I, you guys keep scheduling me with Mark, who's a Chiefs fan. Like, we, we got to talk about that. I'm joking. <laughs> great, great to be on with you guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it is tough. I like to pair the two of you together because, you know, I just want that tension in the room at all times. Um, <laughs> I feel like we're really achieving that. So this is this is great stuff. No, you're doing a good job, Ron. Yeah, Trevor yeah. be proud. <laughs> so I think we have to start with, I know uh, on Wednesday, I'm sure, uh, Sean, you and Matt covered it in in depth, uh, the Patrick Beverly trade, but I kind of wanted to go over it again a little bit because it's been two days now. It's official, and we sort of have some time to get some clarity on it. You know, you guys got instant reactions from the fans and from yourselves. Now I want to see... Two days after the fact, the trade is official. Patrick Beverly is a Laker. Taylor Horton Tucker, Stanley Johnson, members of the Utah Jazz. I kind of want to get both of your perspectives of what's what's going on, how you guys feel about this trade. You can go ahead first, Sean. Um, my initial reaction, if you guys watched the video and the live stream, I was, I'm not going to lie, I was a little upset. I did not like the trade initially, um, but somewhere in like an hour in talking with Matt and listening to the the chat it started to grow on me I think I do like the trade now looking back two days later and having some benefit of hindsight I guess um it I think it's a win-win for the Lakers you get a win now player you move off a bad contract as well because with THT's contract you're really in a lose-lose if he plays well he's going to opt out and want more money if he doesn't play well he's going to opt in and I have a bad contract on your books um, and then Patrick Beverly, he's going to fit exactly what Darvin Ham wants on both ends of the floor. I'm really excited about that schematically. And um, yeah, I, I definitely like the deal a whole lot more now. Obviously, would have liked to trade Stanley Johnson, but rumor is from Yovan, they weren't going to play him anyway. So why not trade two guys that you're not going to play? So I like it now. Yeah, I mean, you don't lose anything in this deal, in my opinion. You get rid of Stanley Johnson, like you mentioned, who probably wasn't even going to play this year. THT obviously did not live up to a lot of Laker fans' expectations. Obviously, he was kind of the, the golden child for a little bit on Lakers Twitter. But, you know, you get a guy in Patrick Beverly that fits, I like you said, Darvin Ham's system. He's a very gritty guy. He's a veteran. He's a guy that defensively you could put at the point of attack, which is something the Lakers were missing the last year, obviously. And I think from a culture standpoint, I think he's a guy that brings in, he makes guys play harder. Right. When you have a guy like that, that's so gritty, so tough. He's annoying. He's a pest. It kind of rubs off on the rest of the team. I think that's something the Lakers were missing last year. Quote, unquote, that dog in them. Right. So uh, I think Patrick Beverly brings that. Yeah, it, it's it's great points from both of you. It actually and now we're going to get into a super chat here. I want to show this one because uh, it gets into what I think is the next topic is what happens with Russell Westbrook. Now, Robert here is saying keep all three, which. You yeah. might try yourself there, man. I got to be honest. I don't I don't see anyone else on your island, but keep it going. Um, so now it's kind of what happens with Russell Westbrook before the assumption was he's he's probably going to get traded. But there's a world where if there's no good deal available, maybe they just take him into training camp. Does the acquisition of Patrick Beverly remove the chance of even anything like that, taking him back to training camp, anything there? I think so. I, th I think Westbrook is gone. This move to me tells me that Westbrook will not be on this roster come training camp for multiple of reasons. We know the history, obviously, between Westbrook and Patrick Beverly. And, you know, you've seen guys have some beef in the past and they can kind of, 
you know, put it aside. But this is a real, I think, situation between these two guys. I mean, they have a real history. So I, I can't see that from that perspective. And obviously from a basketball perspective, you have multiple small guards. Now you have Patrick Beverly. You still have Kendrick Nunn. And then you got you still got Westbrook. So it just doesn't make sense to have him on the team at this point, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I don't think you need Russ on the roster. And then I I, I view this trade as a precursor move. And if, if it's a isolated move and that's the only move the Lakers going to make it like, yeah, OK, we're cool. We're running it back with this roster. Then I'd be upset with it. But I think it's a precursor move. I think they're now willing to give up the two first round picks. And um, yeah, I, I, I agree with Mark. I just can't see Russell Westbrook on the roster. Yeah, I think there was there was some report uh, in the last day or so. I think it was the same one from Yovan that the the Lakers might be willing to just send Russ home the way the Rockets did with John Wall. If if worst came you know worst came to worst case scenario came true and there was no trade out there, Indy's saying no, we want two first. The Jazz are saying no, we don't really want to do another deal with you guys and send you more of our role players. Um, is there a world in which you guys could see the Lakers just saying, you know what, Russ? Don't come. We're going to pay you. You were not trading you yet, but don't don't come. Don't report. And does Russ listen? <laughs> That's tough. I mean, if you're asking me if it was my decision, yes, I would. I think it's addition by subtraction. I, I, I really do. Because Westbrook, to me, just gets in the way a lot. There's, there were so many times last year where the Lakers were building momentum in games, and he would just take a terrible shot. It just sucks the air out of the team and the arena if they're at home. I just think moments like that, it just you can't have that. When you're trying to build a winning culture, you know, obviously you're hoping that LeBron and AD are healthy this year. I just really believe that I'd rather have Patrick Beverly starting. I really would because he's a guy that understands his role, and that's a vital thing when you have a LeBron and AD on the roster with you. So he wouldn't get in the way. He's a really good knockdown shooter, actually. I think he was close to 40% this year, if I'm not mistaken, on catch shot and shoot. 35, shot 35 last year, but he's career uh, okay. 38 almost. Okay. So, yeah, and on this team, he'll get the most open looks he's ever gotten in his career. We have mm-hmm. LeBron and AD next to you. So when you factor in that, I, I really, really like the move. And Westbrook, obviously, we know he cannot shoot from the outside. He's very inconsistent, to say the least. So I just don't see where he fits on this team unless and we know this is never going to happen. He was willing to come off the bench, but that's the only way I'll be willing to keep him on this roster, but he's not going to do that. Yeah. I, I think that's kind of the issue there. And by the way, Patrick Beverly, in terms of career three point percentage, uh, he is the the best career three point shooter on the Lakers roster right now, which <laughs> that kind of tells you where the Lakers are at. If Patrick Beverly is your best three point shooter, uh, <laughs> I want to take a look at this, uh, this super chat here. So, Basically, this this user is suggesting, Sean, I think you need to have some uh, trademark issues, uh, someone to talk to there. But uh, this user is saying, I actually like something where we would uh, we would get off Russell uh, WB for Russell Westbrook. That's new. I've never seen that one. It's usually RW, right? Uh, and a first and maybe a second to the Spurs for Josh Richardson and Doug McDermott. Then offer Knicks none and a first for Reddish. Signed Dennis Schroeder as a free agent, three wings, and a backup point guard. Uh, I I would like to hear your guys' thoughts. This seems like a little like doing a little bit too much. Uh, like I don't really see how none in a first is worth it for Reddish. I wouldn't do that. Uh, Westbrook a first and a second for Josh Richardson and Doug McDermott. 
this seems like doing a little too much, but I want to hear your guys' takes. Let's start with Sean. Um, did the Indiana deal fall off a cliff and they wanted every single pick you have and the Jazz, did they no longer <laughs> did the Jazz? <laughs> uh, did the Jazz no longer want a deal? Um, I, I don't know. This feels like a desperation. We got to do something kind of move. Um, so, um, yeah, in, in terms of the players who get back, sure, I suppose. Um, it's like a last resort. But um, no, and I, I think yeah, I agree. I think Cam Reddish isn't worth a first right now. I'm not sure why you would be giving up a first to New York for Reddish. Maybe Kendrick not in a second or two, potentially. That's about it. Um, but, I mean, I, I don't mind the players to get back. I don't mind the thought process. You get more wings and you get another backup point guard. Um, but, yeah, I think you're giving up a little too much. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Neither one of those moves uh, moves me. Uh, to be honest with you, especially getting up a first for Cam Reddish is a little too rich for my blood. And then the other deal, you get what Josh Richardson and McDermott, I believe, what it was. Yeah, Josh yeah. Richardson, yeah. Josh McDermott. Yeah, it just doesn't move the needle for me at all. I mean, I would rather maybe even keep Westbrook versus mm. either one of those moves, which says a lot. So yeah, I'm, I'm cool on either one of those deals. I'm, I'm not going that far, but still. yeah, I'm not sure I'd rather keep Westbrook, but like uh, if those are the two options, like. I'm not super excited about either. I'm just kind of like whatever to both. I think yeah. there are way better options out there. I think obviously, you know, we've talked about the indie deal and the Utah deal just kind of a lot at this point. And that's, you know, the main suggestions and that's the main place the Lakers are going to go here. Here's but a- it's it seems better than the Spurs deal for sure. Both of those, regardless of what they go with. You also get... You would get like a 20. I mean, I guess the benefit of doing that Spurs, do you get like a $21 million trade exception if that was the case? Um, but you brought up the Pacers deal. Here's a good super chat on that. Uh, Alex F saying thoughts on Kevin O'Connor saying the Lakers could get heel Turner and Randall, yikes, in a multi team trade that they make 62 mil combined, which works due to the 125% rule, you still have to send something out. Like, it can't be just Russ. I still think that's too much. Right? I, I think I think it does work mathematically. Maybe you need to include Kendrick Nunn in that as well. I think it's I think it's close. Actually, you're right, because Russ is 47. That's about right. Yeah, so I, I think it does work. Um, yeah, I mean, Mark, Mark, I'll kick to you on this. This seems like almost like Julius Randle seems like a step backwards if we're being honest, both financially and sort of as a, as a fit on this team. Yeah. The Randall part of that throws me off. Obviously I'm, I'm all here for the heel and Turner part of that deal. I mean, we talked about it for a long time. Obviously you got two guys that can stretch, stretch the floor. You get Turner who's a rim protector and we know 80 doesn't like to play to five. So you can, put him at the four. So yeah, I like that part of it, but the Randall part, I don't see how he fits in. I mean, maybe if he comes off the bench, maybe, but would he, I don't think he would want to do that. I don't see how that would fit. Also, you're paying a guy a lot of money in Julius Randall to come off the bench there. Yeah, I really, yeah. uh, it, it's a difficult trade. Obviously the heel Turner part of it is, is classic. We've been talking about that for months and months at this point, but when you throw in Randall, it's sort of a two steps forward, one step back type of deal or one step forward, two steps back type of deal. Like where, yeah, you're making strides, you're getting rid of Russ and you're getting two quality players to fit in there. But then Randall is just another very overpaid player that you have to figure out how to fit next to LeBron and AD when he's not a seamless fit at all. 
Yeah, because there's no way he could start because if you're starting Turner and AD, obviously, you got LeBron. You're going to put LeBron at the two and have Randall the three? <laughs> like, what are you going to do? You're going to have Buddy Hill be your starting point guard? Like, what are we yeah, doing? Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm down. <laughs> no, it, it, it's – I mean, it's an interesting, you know, thought experiment. But in practice, I mean, either Julius Randle is the most overpaid bench player in the league or he's starting at the three next to a – shooting guard LeBron James and a point guard buddy here like it gets awkward really quick there yeah yeah speaking of Indiana here's another one and this has been a common sentiment on Lakers Twitter uh Rob saying now that the Indiana deal is the go-to package do you think they'll ask for more I can see them asking for a player back it seems too good to be true yeah Mark let's go to you first and then Sean you'll you'll give your take there yeah to that point and this is what I I fear Indiana knows that the Lakers want that deal now at this point with the Kyrie situation falling off. So we don't really have that much leverage at this point, right? Because the Pacers, they know, obviously, we want that package. And why would they rush to do this deal at this point for us? So that's my only thing that I'm a little concerned about. I'm not sure. Are there any other contenders that want that package besides the Lakers? I haven't really heard anything. It seems like it's only the Lakers that's been linked to Buddy Hill and Turner from what I've heard. So that's my only thing that gives me a little concern at this point. Yeah, I think I think there is a little I mean, if you're Indiana, you have the option of waiting until, you know, the trade deadline like they they're in no rush necessarily and their stance could be let's wait for someone to get desperate when the season starts and the Lakers might still be desperate when the season starts. So we can we can snake the Lakers anytime we want. Let's let's there's no need to do it now. Sean, what do you think? Yeah, I think this has again been a, a thought running around Lakers Twitter and stuff like that. That should they have just gone with the Indiana deal first? Um, because you execute that and then theoretically the Jazz deal would still be on the table. Um I, I think they could ask for more, but honestly, I think the Lakers still have their options. I think they could go back to Utah, whether it's in a three-team trade uh, and sending Donovan Mitchell out to New York. Um, I, I think right now, it doesn't really matter, personally. I think the thing reason why the deal's not done and it has been done is because they're still griping over the two first-round picks. Apparently, Indiana wants them both unprotected. I think the Lakers are willing to give them both up. It's just the protections on them, so... uh I still think it'll be done. I don't think you have to throw in another player because I don't think Indiana wants to take salary back or any more salary back anyway. Yeah, and I think if we switch over to Alan's comment here, this that's, this is discussing the Knicks and Jazz deal. Uh, if you're uh, dropping in to show love, thank you. Uh, if we need wing depth, wouldn't helping the Knicks and Jazz, wouldn't the Knicks and Jazz deal be the most ideal? What are your guys' thoughts on the trade that is worth the two picks and what's your starting five? So let's start with the first part of that. If the team is in need of wing depth right now, wouldn't you prefer the Jazz deal or the Knicks deal as opposed to the Pacers, which gets you a guard and a big and no wings? You can go first, Sean. Uh, yeah, theoretically, I think if you do a three-team deal, you're probably looking Bogdanovich, Cam Reddish, Evan Fournier, potentially. Um, you might have to throw in another player, but I think that, that map works, so... Yeah, I mean, theoretically, you get three wings that are two wings, really, and another guard that can step in day one and, and play for you. I mean, Bojan's probably starting. Um, eh, is he, though? Um, never mind. I guess you would figure that part out. Uh, but you get you get a couple more wings, and now you could say, hey, we yeah, we traded Stanley, but we replaced him with Cam Reddish and Bojan. Um, 
still losing some defense there. But um, yeah, sure. If, if that's what your goal is, then yeah, sure. Go with the Knicks and Utah package. Uh, I just think personally talking to Indiana and getting Indiana done is the most ideal route. I think you have the best roster if you go do an Indiana deal. Yeah, I agree. With, I agree with the Indiana deal part, but just to go back back to this question here, uh, if you make that deal, let's say you get the Cam Reddish, or no, let's say you get the Bogdan, right? You, well, you get Bogdan and Cam Reddish, right? So the starting five would be Turner, AD, LeBron, and you probably put Cam Reddish at the two, and then Patrick Beverly at the one. If you what did if you got Reddish after? Yeah. Uh, so wait, are we still getting Buddy? We're getting Buddy Reddish. Oh, you're saying in addition, in addition to that? I think he's saying that if if we're doing a Knicks and Jazz type deal where it's you're getting Boyan from the Jazz and Reddish yeah. from the Knicks, yeah, Reddish and Fournier from the Knicks. That that deal you were talking about at the beginning of your your segment there. I think your oh. lineup is probably Pat oh. Bev, Reeves, LeBron, AD, and a center. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. And all three of them come off the Boyan, – Boyan's an interesting one because I don't think there's any question that he's a starter caliber player. I don't know, like, how great of a starter he is, but I think he is a starter caliber player in this league. But with if, – if you have, you know, if you have a big in there, you don't want Anthony Davis playing the five all the time – it sort of gets tricky to slot him in a little bit like Randall, although Boyan's a much better three-point shooter. So that that's kind of an interesting thing there. Uh, Want to go to this next one here, because this brings up an interesting player that I've not uh, seen in discussions before. Uh, Marcel here bringing up D'Angelo Russell next to LeBron and Anthony Davis with his shooting and ball handling. He'd play as much defense as Kyrie, but would have uh, as Kyrie would have, but more reliable P.S. Randall is trash. I don't know if Randall's trash. I'd say he's overpaid. <laughs> I'd be a little significantly overpaid. But just as an option, obviously, there's probably no world in which D'Angelo Russell winds up the Laker, given where the Timberwolves are and what it would take to get him, what they're doing as a franchise right now. But what what's the thought on D'Angelo Russell's fit next to LeBron and AD, if that's an option the Timberwolves would even consider going down? Yeah, I don't see this in any scenario at all. I mean, especially now that you already have Patrick Beverly and you still got Kendrick Nunn on the roster and you're bringing in a D'Lo who doesn't play defense. He doesn't play no defense at all. Um, he's obviously a really good passer. He's a decent shooter. But I just don't see how it, it fits what the Lakers need. They need wings. They need bigger bodies on the perimeter. And you already have enough small guards. So I just don't see this fit at all. Yeah. yeah. Go, go ahead, John. No, I was just going to add on to that point. Yeah, I, I could I could see both sides. I can understand why Mark is saying he doesn't like the fit there. Um, I guess more so offensively, I like the fit a lot, especially like if you're starting five. Let's just say you did a one-for-one one swap, Russ for D'Lo. Again, it's not the most ideal thing because I do agree. You need more uh, depth on the roster in general and more wings. But um, I guess more so offensively, I like the fit a lot. D'Lo, very similar to Kyrie, has the shot-making, playmaking ability. Uh, who's a guard, and I think he's more easily willing to be a third option in an offense. Um, but I, I definitely understand why Mark, and I'm assuming uh, some of the chat are probably saying as well that the fit isn't that uh, is that great. Yeah, and I, I just think uh, logistically there's just no way to get D'Angelo Russell to the Lakers. Uh, the Timberwolves seem pretty locked in to what they're doing uh, with D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert, like they – they seem pretty locked in there, and I would, 
I would be stunned if they said, yeah, let's do, let's do the Russell Westbrook version of what, of this, like that, I, that doesn't sound like it would go very well for them. Uh, this is sort of similar to what we've been talking about here, but Alex says, how would you feel if we ended up getting healed and Turner with Pat Bev? Um, I think this is kind of, you know, given, given what the Lakers might have to give up, I, I would say this is as close to the ideal scenario, right? Yeah. Uh, Sean got his thumbs up. <laughs> you know, is, I mean, this is, he's both really enthusiastic with the thumbs up, but absolute straight face. So I've <laughs> kind of mixed. I, I don't know. Contradict yourself, man. I know. Nice balance there. No, I think, again, I I said it not too long ago. I think the best version of this Lakers roster with the Russell Westbrook trade is doing the Pacers deal. Um, I think you can still maybe try to help facilitate somehow a Jazz deal, um, but not. Long story short, best way to improve the roster is to do this Pacers deal because I think you have more lineup flexibility. And let's have fun here. Imagine I threw this out on Wednesday night, a, a lineup with Pat Bev, Austin Reeves, LeBron, AD, Miles Turner. Who are you switch hunting in that lineup? If Austin Reeves is your quote unquote worst defender in that lineup, damn it, I'm fine with that. So I'm going to ask you guys a question since you brought that up. That's, this is a good talking point. If that deal happens, would you start Buddy Hill over Austin Reeves? Personally, no. Okay. Oof. That, it's tough. I, I because think I would actually. It's I think tough. I would. Buddy Heald is is kind of that guy that when you think about the types of players that LeBron has succeeded next to or has succeeded next to LeBron, Buddy Heald is kind of like almost the archetype for that. The true archetype is Klay Thompson, but like Buddy Heald (laughs) is pretty close to the archetype of like a player that fits next to LeBron James. So I, I wonder if he would start the year as the starter just to see kind of how that looks and if he is struggling defensively if he's getting switch hunted to death which is possible uh then you would make the switch to Reeves at that point uh Mark what do you think yeah I can see the argument for both sides because if you got Buddy off the bench you're like saying okay we have more punch scoring wise right with Buddy Hill but with him starting obviously him next to LeBron he's gonna get the best looks he's ever gotten and he's probably gonna be the best shooter on the team especially in that starting five so yeah, I'm trying to be nice here, okay? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's tough, man. I think I would slightly lean Buddy over Reeves just because of the LeBron factor, solely because of that. Yeah. Chad, don't be mad at me. I'm not saying Austin's better than Buddy. I'm saying I would start Austin even though and, Buddy's probably the better player. I don't know. And, uh, Sean, it sounds like you're saying Austin's better than Buddy. I don't, uh, I don't mean to be that guy. It sounds like you're saying it. Austin Reeves for MVP, baby. Let's go. And in addition to uh, the LeBron factor, the fact that you have, you know, the twin towers back there, quote unquote, with Miles Turner and Anthony Davis for rim protection. So even if Buddy is a, you know, he's a liability defensively, you got rim protection back there to kind of cover up his mistakes. So that's why I would slightly lean Buddy, but you can go either way. Yeah, and switching to the defensive side of things, Tony PR here says, appreciate you all. Thank you. Uh, are we going to miss Stanley's defense? Any ways to find a replacement in a trade? How does Lonnie Walker fit with Heald on the team? Start with Sean. Thank you, Ron. Yeah, there you uh, go. I saw the enthusiasm. <laughs> we'll miss Stanley, but I think you have two wings that easily replace him. First off, they must be really high in Troy Brown Jr. Um, and his skill set, what he'll be able to add. Because, again, from Yovan, apparently they weren't planning on playing Stanley. And they weren't planning on playing THT, so they must really like Troy Brown Jr. Or, I mean, what are you doing this deal for? 
Um, but between Montescano Anderson and Troy Brown, I think you have wings that can replace him. I think JTA is probably a better defender, actually, than Stanley. Um, and then Lonnie, how does he fit with Buddy on the team? I actually think it's a better fit, at least offensively, than most would, because now, as long as Lonnie really develops defensively under Darvin Ham, which I think he could, um, offensively, I like the fit pairing together because Lonnie now, the driving lanes are more opened up. He's an underrated playmaker that's capable of dishing the ball out to those corners for a guy like a Buddy Heald or if Buddy relocates to the wing, he's capable of making those passes. Um, so offensively, I think the fit's great. If Lonnie's the same defender as last year, then uh, this lineup will never play regardless of how the fit is offensively because you're going to give up a 1,000 points with this is your backcourt on the court. I, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't no. be great. It, it actually it might be worse than last year. And last year, I, I think we saw some of the worst defense we've ever seen. And Lonnie and Buddy <laughs> would not be great either. But, Mark, what, what are you thinking about this? Well, to Lonnie's defense here, somebody has to defend him. So <laughs> I'll be the guy. Okay. <laughs> who's the, who the rim protector in San Antonio? Uh, Jakob Pertl. My point exactly. So if you hey, have him here in L.A., he's a dude. you got Miles Turner, you got A.D., who's a defensive player of the year candidate whenever he's healthy. It masks a lot of mistakes, guys. You have to realize that. And My not, bad. Not to mention, and <laughs> this is not going to be on the stats, but this is just a cultural thing. You're playing on a team – with title aspirations. You're playing on a team with LeBron James, who's going to hold people accountable when he's healthy. When he's healthy, Patrick Beverly is going to hold people accountable. So I believe in that environment with Darvin Ham and those guys rallying the troops that Lonnie Walker will be a positive, a net positive defender this year. Holy Ooh. hell, put money on it, Mark. Net put money on it. Wait, net positive though. Okay, so when you started that, I thought you were gonna end it with he's not going to be as bad as he was last <laughs> year, which I could agree with. I could agree with net positive would make him argue that would be the greatest single season leap by a defender in NBA history. Okay, <laughs> history. okay, okay, okay. I was, I was about to say, high, Mark. I was on my high horse a little bit. I got a little excited, okay. Got carried away. I was about to say, Mark. Yeah, I let it carried away. But say, yeah, Mark. He's going from a bottom five defender in the NBA to being my bad bottom twenty. Yeah, there we go. Massively. Wow, that's nasty, Sean. (laughs) I'm hoping it's good, guys. We're we're now getting an argument in favor of the San Antonio deal that we discussed earlier, which would be Russell Westbrook and some sort of pick compensation for Josh Richardson and Doug McDermott. Uh, the Xbox junkie here saying better three-point shooters and the $21 million trade exceptions, uh, injury risks to uh, to healed slash buddy. That's the same person. Uh, I think they meant healed slash Turner. Turner's the injury risk. I wouldn't call buddy an injury risk mm-hmm. um, in any way there. But yeah, Miles Turner, definitely an injury risk. Uh, so, I mean, is the San Antonio deal better? I don't know, but I, I could see some arguments to be made about it. What do you guys think? Yeah, it's, it's it's definitely not better. But, I mean, if you're going based on the injury thing as far as Miles Turner, I can get that angle. You know, obviously he's had some issues staying healthy. But, you know, we always do these things assuming players are going to stay healthy. We can't predict injuries. I mean, you know you guys get hurt every year. There's certain guys, but you still don't really want to predict that. So, yeah, I get it from that perspective. But the upside – of the, the heel and Turner is just 
the the ceiling is way higher. Let's say that. And the floor may not be as as high because the injury factor, but the ceiling is definitely way, way higher. I would say, and that this is honestly a, a decent argument for um for a Spurs deal. My response is to be you you need to have something like lined up to use that $21 million trade exception for. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think for, for me to feel for me to feel comfortable about you doing this, you have to be like, okay, cool. We're getting shooters. I actually really like Josh Richardson's fit. So you do that, but like you need to have that something lined up for that. Whether it's now or like you look at the deadline, like, okay, cool. We know what we're gonna use this on. You can't just do this deal and be like, okay, cool, we're just gonna let this $21 million trade exception sit there and not use it at all. Cause I think that's a big part of why this trade could be intriguing. Cause then it would be Josh Richardson McDermott. And then the deal would really wouldn't be complete until you use that $21 million trade exception. So um that that that'll be my thoughts on that. But who yeah. is somebody who is somebody out there you think you can use it on realistically? Honestly, maybe you <laughs> maybe you go use somebody. <laughs> That'd be hilarious, actually. They traded Russ. Honestly, would you do that? I'm would you do that? Russ in a pick for McDermott. Richardson, you get this trade exception. You flip the trade exception in a pick to Indiana for Buddy Heald. I'm not totally against it, but the the Turner part of that Pacers deal is like the cherry on top for me. Or Turner, or Turner, either one. Because AD doesn't want to play the five, so I feel like you have to get Turner. And 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 it begs an interesting question about luxury tax and how far the Lakers would be willing to go here. Because if you are acquiring those guys and then you're also using a trade exception to get uh, to get Buddy Heald or Miles Turner, you are going above Russell Westbrook's $47 million price tag. Not by a ton, but you're going above it. And that begs the question of how far into the luxury tax is this team going to go? Uh, last year, they showed that they may not go that far into the luxury tax. They don't want to keep paying it. Uh, you know, they, they made that very clear with the Alex Caruso decision. So... That becomes an issue and, and why I think trade exceptions largely go unused and, and why they largely go unused is because teams don't want to bring in that much salary for like without giving up any salary because they don't want their payroll to go, you know, infinitely higher. So I, I think that's a consideration. What do you guys think about the luxury tax implications of doing a deal like that? To me, it all depends on what was said when LeBron signed that extension. 
There's something behind closed doors we don't know about. Because I ain't going to lie to you. I was surprised he signed it this early. I really was. I thought he was going to leave his flexibility open, try to see what the Lakers are going to do. You know, LeBron likes to keep his options open. That's why he does the one-on-one deals and things of that nature. So him signing that deal to me says that the Lakers probably are willing to go into the luxury tax because why else, would he, why else would he commit himself to for the next two years if he's not trying to compete for championships? So I, I think they are willing to. Now, how far into it, that's a different discussion. But I think they are willing to go into it to a certain extent. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think there probably is a limit somewhere out there. They probably have a number in mind that they won't go past. But uh, they clearly haven't hit it yet. And I don't know if the extra few million dollars from that type of deal would do that. Uh, so let's let's go to Austin Davison here. Do you think this Pat Bev trade was a precursor to a bigger three-team trade with the Knicks and Jazz, since I believe Pat Bev couldn't be traded in a package deal? So basically, this would be a way to aggregate Patrick Beverly without aggregating Patrick Beverly in a trade, which you couldn't do for 60 days. Um, does this lead to a bigger trade, likely where Donovan Mitchell goes to the Knicks? Uh, some ancillary pieces here go to the Lakers, Evan Fournier, stuff like that. Uh, what do you what do you guys think about that as a potential precursor because of the aggregation rules? I think it's a precursor trade for sure. I'm not sure if it's with the Knicks. Maybe that's my optimist side of me wanting the Pacers deal to get done, but I'm not sure if it's a three team trade with the Knicks and Jazz. I do definitely think it's a precursor trade though. Like something else is happening. Um, and it's now the reports are saying like, hey, I believe I'm not sure if this is true or not, but I believe I read something like Brian Winforce saying, hey, the Lakers want to move Russ before training camp officially now. Um, Yovan saying like, hey, look, they're they're really considering options like trading Russ or telling him to go home and go with the John Wall route. So I think I definitely believe this is a precursor trade. Just not sure if it's for that particular trade. Um, really quick, somebody answered the trade exception question. Curious what you guys thought. Eric Gordon, I he, so he's another one of those guys, right, that he's been rumored to the Lakers about about a million times because of his connection with Rob Palenka. Mark, I, I'll, I'll go to you on this. I want to hear your thoughts before I really give mine on Eric Gordon as a player. <laughs> uh, I'm good on it. I, I really am. Uh, another small guard. He doesn't defend. I, I want big wings, man. I want three and D guys. And he doesn't deliver that to me. I mean, obviously, he's a, a pretty good three-point shooter, but it's just not enough outside of that to, that I'm willing to give up a trade exception for. Yeah, I, I think Eric Gordon is a better defender than people give him credit for, but not on not what you're saying, which is on bigger three and D wings. He's he's a better defender than people give him credit for on guards. Uh, but that that wouldn't really help when you have Patrick Beverly, who's going to be doing a lot of that work for you. Uh, so, yeah, I think Eric Gordon for the trade exception, it's it, it's an option like it's been for the last, I think, two years. <laughs> but it clearly to this point has not been the best option. And Houston has been relatively strong on the asking price for him. And yet we're two years into that and like no one's met it even close. So I got there's got to be a reason for that. I do also think that uh, he does get a little bit of a bad rap as a defender because the defensive coaching in Houston is really, really bad. Um, but yeah, I agree in, in total. Yeah, uh, let's let's switch here. This is kind of an interesting thing. Um, and I can actually pair it. Can I show both? Oh, I can't show both. 
Well, that's too bad. I'll show this one first. Um, any concern that Buddy and Turner have never been on winning teams? We have seen the lights of the Lakers change players. Do you guys have any – like, we've, we've talked about Buddy and Turner as kind of the ideal package in terms of building out the best roster possible, regardless of fit, anything like that. Um, do you guys have concerns that neither of them have been on winning teams? Buddy was in Sacramento. Obviously, they don't do any winning there. Uh, indeed, they have not won since he got there. Miles Turner's been the same way. So what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I'm not too concerned. When you have a leader like LeBron James who can bring in guys and just, you know, rally the troops. And he's one of those guys that people look up to, right? People grew up watching him. And you bring you come into that environment, especially now with Darvin Ham, who I think is a well-respected guy around the league who played in the NBA. I think the culture and bringing a Patrick Beverly of people – Going to probably laugh at it, but I'm telling you, that guy, everywhere he goes, they seem to win. They might not win a championship, but they get in the playoffs. Minnesota, we know what the Clippers did. So I'm just saying, he's a guy that when he, he's, they, I don't know. I don't know. But I just think in that environment, I, I, I'm not too concerned. I'm really not. Patrick Beverly did famously say during the Lakers train wreck last season that if he was put on that roster, they would have made the Western Conference Finals. The final. Western Conference Finals. I'm not going to go that far. I, I don't know if Patrick Beverly knew this. The Lakers won 33 games last season. I, yeah, I don't think Patrick Beverly gives them 20 extra wins. <laughs> That's just me. Uh, but Patrick Beverly, I'm excited to see him try to prove it this year. Um, and so I kind of wanted to pair that with the second question. If there's an option to get Turner and Gordon with Buddy going to Houston, would you feel better about giving up both picks? So – this kind of goes hand in hand with the winner question. Eric Gordon is more of a winning player. Like he has been on winning basketball teams more so than Buddy Heald. So if you had the option to do a Turner and Gordon trade instead of a Turner and Buddy trade, would you? Uh, yeah, I probably would. If that was an option, um, first off to the winning player thing, I think we're putting too much stock into it. Not you guys specifically, but like that super yeah, chat way too much stock into it because literally any player we get back from New York, what the hell have they done? Like they've done nothing. Hey, um, Evan Fournier made the playoffs with Orlando that one year. I'm pretty sure. Wow. I mean, well, I mean, Miles Turner's made he, he took LeBron to game seven. Well, he didn't do it, but he was a part of that team. That narrative um, about Andrew Wiggins before this year. Now he's a winner. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, Mark Mark leads the Andrew Wiggins propaganda. I'm just saying, before <laughs> this year, he was a bust. He can't win. You can't win with him. And he was the second best player on the team this year, and then won. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I also think Eric Gordon is a cleaner fit coming off the bench because he could be that microwavable scorer, go get a bucket, who's also an underrated playmaker. So if I had to pick, well, he's a better defender too than Buddy. I, I just think he gets a bad look because of how bad Houston is defensively. But um. Yes, if I had the option, I'm definitely probably going Turner and Eric Gordon as opposed to Turner and Buddy. Yeah, I agree. I, I would do it too. I would do it too. Yeah, I think I think this would change your identity a little bit more. Like Buddy Heald, he's a fine player. I've no nothing against him. I don't think he's some game changer. Um, if you're bringing back Miles Turner and Eric Gordon, if you have the opportunity to do that, uh, you're completely changing the identity of your team because now you're rolling out lineups that include. Patrick Beverly, Eric Gordon, LeBron, Anthony Davis, Miles Turner. That's a really, really difficult lineup to do anything with uh, defense when they're on defense. And then offensively, there's a lot of ways you can go and a lot of schemes you can run. Now, you're, it leaves the Lakers kind of in a similar situation without big three and D wings, but 
Buddy Heald isn't that either. So if you're choosing between the two, I think Eric Gordon does make more sense. Wanted to go to Josh here. Uh, now that Stanley Johnson is off the roster, can we possibly see Jay Huff in a solid rotational role next season? Wow, some Jay Huff love on the on the Fun Friday show. What do you guys think? No, I really like Jay Huff a lot. And I hope they could keep him around for this season because I think next year where if Damian Jones plays well, he's opting out. Um, Thomas Bryant, he has a good season. He's probably leaving as well. If you get Miles Turner, you're going to have to pay him. Jay Huff could easily slot in there as your backup center heading into next season. Um, so not this year or this upcoming season. I'm assuming that's what the question's about. But in two years, 2024 or 2023-2024, um, sure. I like Jay Huff a lot. Yeah, right now it's just a numbers game. And, you know, he's just he's just not in the rotation at this moment. But, yeah, moving forward potentially. Yeah, and uh, we can skip to, yeah, another – Another role player here. Uh, if Kendrick Nunn is healthy, don't you think he's a steal for us? We're sleeping on how good he is when healthy. Yeah. Uh, what do you guys think? Kendrick Nunn, obviously it's been a year since we've seen him, or over a year since we've seen him play basketball, but I think he is a, a very good player that does not get a lot of credit since it's been so long. What do you guys think? Yeah, Seamus Plug. I just did a video on him five days ago, so go check it out on Lakers Nation on YouTube. Um, I'll give you my that gives you my whole Kendrick Nunn spill right there in five minutes. But uh, yeah, I do agree. He's a guy that come off the bench. He's an underrated shooter, underrated playmaker. And yeah, we kind of forget because he hasn't played in a while. But he was a nice rotational guy in Miami. And he came from a good culture talking about winning. Right. So he's a guy that actually did come, you know, under Spo, who's a top five coach in the league. So he That's has a good league. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, he comes from a good background, uh, obviously gained a lot of knowledge there. And he said he's 100 percent. Obviously, he hasn't played five on five yet, but I do think uh, people are really sleeping on him for sure. Yeah, Rival, go ahead, I was just going to say really quickly, rival execs thought that contract we got Kendrick Dunn on was a bargain. Um, you're getting a guy that shot 36 ish percent from three and scoring 15 points per game for a Miami Heat team that went to the NBA Finals. Um, so, yes, Steele, I love Kendrick Nunn a lot. I actually really don't want us to trade him unless we have to. Uh, but, yeah, I, I like Kendrick Nunn a lot. He's a really good basketball yeah. player. I, I do, b- before I move on to this this comment by Vector here, I, I do want to point out that when the Lakers first signed Kendrick Nunn to this deal, people said that there was absolutely no way he was going to opt into the second year of that deal because we assumed he was going to play at a much higher level than $5 million. And we didn't get to see him play at all. So he opts in and now he's still, I mean, he's still a very good player. So the assumption is that he would play above a five, $6 million level. Uh, But moving on here before Pat Bev arrived, I had a question about rebuilding. When do you feel that the Lakers should start rebuilding barring the fact that Braun and AD expire at the same time would losing this year affect it. So I'll go to Mark first. When when do you think a rebuild is in the cards for the Lakers? Is it in 2025 when both LeBron and AD officially are off the books, or could it be sooner? Yeah, it's when they're off the books. You're not going to rebuild while LeBron's in your roster unless you're suggesting that you trade LeBron or AD. So, I mean, that's the only way you're rebuilding before 2025. And look like, Ron, you're maybe – like you're down for that. <laughs> no, no, it's not It's not that I'm down for it. Oh, okay. LeBron is a player option in 2024 – I okay. could easily see a world where he opts out and the Lakers just say, let's trade Anthony Davis on this expiring contract and start over a year earlier than we were anticipating. I, that's really the only other scenario. I don't think even if this year goes poorly, 
it's hard for me to see a world where you have a guaranteed year of LeBron and AD with Russell Westbrook off the books and you have a, all that cap space and for them to just say, eh, let's move on. That, that would be weird, I think. Yeah, I, I think, first off, I think there needs to be some context provided. It depends a lot on Anthony Davis. I agree with what Ron was saying. Regardless of how this year plays out, you're not rebuilding next year. You have another year of LeBron James on under contract for sure, and then you still have Anthony Davis. So you still try to make it work for these next two seasons. If LeBron opts out, then I think that's when your decision has to be, okay, what about AD? Are we confident that Anthony Davis is our guy that can we can build a team around him we could compete for titles if so then i don't think you necessarily have to go into a rebuild if not then like ron was saying be still like showing he's a really good basketball player he's a 1b still so he's averaging around 25 points per game or so on an expiring contract i think you ship him i think you trade him you get picks you get a couple of younger guys in and then you start to rebuild that way um, but I think it's dependent on what we get from Anthony Davis these next couple of seasons. Yeah, I think I, I think that's important to see. Like, even if they're losing, the the earliest I could see that rebuild starting is 2024. It seems like you guys agree. Um, I want to go to John Drake here. This combination of players, Evan Fournier, Boyan Bogdanovich, Cam Reddish, Rudy Gay, would put the Lakers in the conversation as title contenders. Do you guys see if that four... If that foursome comes back for Russell Westbrook, I think Kendrick Nunn would also need to be included to make this happen. No, maybe not. I think you could just do it straight up with Russ. Um, if this package comes back to the Lakers, let's talk about what lineups might look like. And do you see that being title contention or do you see that just being playoff contention? Like, what do you see for that group? Uh, that's a playoff team. There's not a title contention team, in my opinion. You're still lacking... Uh, the defense required on the perimeter, and you don't have the rim protection outside of AD in that deal. So, yeah, playoff team for sure, though. Playoff team, you got some shooters there. You got some versatile guys offensively with Evan Fournier, who can uh, play make as well. Uh, Bogdanovich, obviously, a really good shooter. Reddish has offensive potential. Rudy Gay, you know, he's a, been a bucket his whole life. So, yeah, offensively, I think it's really versatile, but I still have a lot of questions on the defense side of the ball. Sean? I I don't even like saying that we're title contenders with Buddy Hield and Miles Turner added to the <laughs> roster. So I'm definitely not going to not. You could probably tell me we are, but I'm not going to put that you know title under the Lakers yet until probably at least the first month of the season. I'm still scarred from last year, guys. So get, it's going to take me a minute. Um, <laughs> but I'm definitely not saying we're a title contender with this roster. Um, it's a better roster. We're a playoff team for sure. I guess you have a puncher shot with LeBron and AD, but no, for the same reasons Mark just said. I, I'm I'm going to quickly glance to this comment here, but then I have a I have a question I want to get to you guys. Um, I, I just saw this. Uh, Trez is a beast. Sign Trez. He walking bucket. Uh, I I think they tried that right, and I if I recall, he got benched in like March. <laughs> By right? Charlotte. Like he got, well, no, like when he was on the Lakers, he was like a bench guy, like not six man, like a bench guy by March. He just stopped. He had a really good stretch in January and February. And then it was like, oh, yeah, he needs to play defense too. And he doesn't do that. So this is kind of a lost cause. And they benched him. Frank Vogel benched him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, no, it's really quick. Uh, make sure Trevor's on vacation at the Terry Deadline. <laughs> 
Wow. <laughs> Trevor, no. Speaking Guys, of Trevor. Trevor, Trevor is coming back shortly. Uh, and and we will continue to uh to hold the fort down until he gets back. But when he gets back, we're gonna support him, right? We're gonna be nice. We're gonna make fun, nice comments to him when he gets back. All right. None of none of this hope you're on vacation at the trade deadline stuff. Although we were definitely joking, like for the two weeks before he left, that something's gonna happen while he's gone. So thanks, yeah, Trevor. Technically, something did happen because the Kevin Durant news that he wasn't getting traded broke. Uh, so technically, something did happen, but not quite as uh, explosive as we thought was, was going to happen when he left. We thought it was he was going to get on that flight and instantly all the all the dominoes were going to fall. Russell Westbrook, Donovan Mitchell, Kevin Durant. Like, we assumed that was going to happen. Well, when exactly does he come back? Mm, uh, I think he'll be back from Monday's live show, I believe. Oh, so. yeah. Westbrook could still be traded before that. Westbrook could still be traded. He could be. Uh, let's put this up here. So what's your trade? What's your ideal trade? Now I assume that's ideal trade. Now that we lost Irving and got Pat. Shout out to Madison and Dallas. Uh, given the name of the account, I think you are Madison and Dallas. So uh, shout out to yourself. Love it. Uh, so what, what's your guys' ideal trade? I know it's probably Indiana, but what's your ideal trade? Yeah, it's, it's Indiana. <laughs> yeah. I don't have much more to say about it. I feel like I'm, I'm like uh, repeating myself over and over again. <laughs> oh, you should listen to me and Matt on Wednesday. We were just repeating ourselves for two hours. <laughs> so yeah. here's this is the final thing. I think, yeah, we're, we're, we're uh, getting to the end here. One last thing, and it's coming off of something we talked about earlier. In your guys' minds, what would need to happen? You said that even if the, uh, the Miles Turner Buddy Heald trade happened, you wouldn't rush to say the Lakers are title contenders. Is there anything that could happen between now and let's say even, well, let's say the start of the season, because, you know, the trade deadline, who knows what's going to happen um, between now and the start of the season. Is there anything the Lakers can do that would make you say this is a top five team in the NBA? Top five. Wow. Anything you, didn't, you didn't even say the West. You said right, you didn't even West. say the West. He said top five. I'm like, okay. Well, top, top five, five in the West. West. I think we could agree that something could happen, but I want to know how, like, what do you think could happen realistically that would make them that good? Probably, like, what do you guys think? Okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I will say this. Here's my pushback to Sean and me and kind of reacting crazy about the whole NBA. Now, when you're talking about, like, actual seeding, they won't be top out in the whole NBA because we know LeBron's going to miss some games, low management. We know AD's yeah. probably going to miss some games as well. But you're talking about, like, actual, like, when it comes to playoff time, who are yeah, you? Yeah, I'm just talking – I'm talking, yeah, power ranking. I'm not doing seeding. Seeding is tough yeah. because we saw this last year. Like, the Warriors kind of just, like, coasted to three, and they didn't really care about being two or one, and it did not matter even a little bit. So, yeah, because I would say with Buddy, regarding, yeah. Buddy and Turner, let's say they're relatively healthy all year. They're probably in that four or five area in the West, I would say. But I would, but if you're talking about like actual like power rankings, come playoff time, who am I picking in a seven game series? I think you can make a case they would be top five in the whole NBA. I really do. If they're healthy, I really yeah. do. I mean, you're looking at probably Milwaukee. Uh, and Sean's counting in his head right now. Let <laughs> me do the East first. Milwaukee. Milwaukee, I Boston. I think they're better than Boston if if they're if they're healthy. I do. I really do. Boston, the team that went to the NBA Finals and then added Malcolm Brogdon for scraps? I really think that Laker team is Ooh. better. 
Bye, guys. Have fun. Yeah, Mark, 53 minutes in, and I think I think you've lost your mind. I think <laughs> you're telling me in a seven-game series, the Lakers couldn't beat the Celtics. Not saying they couldn't. You have a puncher shot with LeBron and AD, Not but you can't tell couldn't. me they're the favorites. I, I think Boston would be favored in that series, and I think I would agree I don't that Boston know about would be that, favored man. in that series. I don't know about that. Bye, guys. Have fun. Uh, I think you guys are underestimating the LeBron and AD factor, man. There's the LeBron and AD factor, but I'm just saying, like, the Celtics in that that scenario where the Lakers have Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, the Celtics can put out lineups that have versatility. Like, they they can put out lineups that the Lakers couldn't dream of putting out even though they would have the two best players in the series. And again, I'm not saying we... I'm not saying we wouldn't win, but I think when we're doing like the power rankings, they were talking about like, hey, like who are the who would be favored? I think the Lakers would be favorites. I really do. Bye, guys. Have fun. Uh, On that note, folks, Mark has (laughs) lost his mind. So I think it's that's a crazy take. Yes, it is. A little bit of a crazy crazy? take. Because okay, Mark, before we go, the final thing thing about this is Vegas, though. Like the, the, the money's going to be favorite. Lakers. It's Boston. The, the Lakers, money's going to be on the Lakers because LeBron and AD. The money's going to be on the Lakers. A team, that that better team games, a team that won 33 games and added two role players <laughs> is, not going to be favored, is not going to be favored over AD the AD missed 40 games last year. <laughs> so we're going to forget that AD missed half the season. That doesn't matter. Bro, it doesn't matter that Boston went to the NBA Finals and added Malcolm Brogdon, Malcolm Brogdon for for, a, a, for a, a box. And the of- Lakers are adding Buddy Hill and Miles Turner. You get a Westbrook. <laughs> Dude, so I get where you're coming from, Mark. You know, what? I'm gonna try to level with you. I'm gonna try to level with you. I I get where you're going with it, but th- we're talking about the reigning Eastern Conference champions here that. that went that. to the finals. I get that. We're two games away from winning an NBA championship. They're younger, the best defensive basketball, and they're adding Malcolm Brogdon for a piece of tissue, and they would not be the favorites. My favorite part of this segment has been Sean trying to find things in his like college dorm room to compare to. I'm in my house. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. With that, on that note, guys, I think it's time we call it here. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Sean, Mark, thank you for uh, what I would call a lively discussion. Uh, I, hope, I hope everyone everyone has a great weekend here. And uh, when we get back on Monday, Trevor Lane will be back in studios. So, yeah, I look forward to that. Uh, have a great weekend, everybody. See you and stay safe.